everybody welcome to another wonderful episode of podcast and players today we have a returning guest from last time uh you know him you love him it's your boy felix hey how's it going thanks for having me again yeah thanks for being on uh it's so great because every time we get on a call we just jump right into like fun conversation and i'm like i didn't start the show yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah good Good conversations are rare nowadays. Gotta have yeah. them when you can. I mean, we should probably just like talk like regular people more often and not just relegate it to a show. But I, I wanted a, I wanted a, a part two for this because I felt like last time I dominated the conversation a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I looked at the waveforms for both of us and I talked for most of the time. <laughs> and I'm not going to not talk this time, folks, because it is my show. But I don't want to be rude, and I know people want to hear more about you, Felix. So uh, let's let's just start with the first thing. First thing, right off out the gate, uh, because I I think people are just tuning in right right now, and they want to like kind of get a feel for what you're up to at the moment. Because um, mm-hmm. we already kind of got into how you started with D and D last time, and and things like that. You've got some big project happening. Kickstarter launching on October 12th called Fool's Gold Into the Belling Wilds. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, thank you for the nice intro. But yeah, Fool's Gold Into the Belling Wilds. That has been in the works for two years now. I've been writing that. But it's a full-fledged campaign setting of the, well, the Fool's Gold campaign as you know it on... uh, on YouTube, we got, uh, you know, if, if you don't know, it's the uh, Dingo Doodles channel where we're uploading an episode roughly every month or so. Dingo, Dingo who? Uh, yeah, you might not know. It's pretty <laughs> obscure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, since like episode one, people have been screaming, like, can we see your notes? Like, can we get some stats on this? Can we see those charts? And like, I'm happy to share. And like, we've always shared little bits and pieces, but eventually we... Uh, we had a, a lovely lunch with uh, Rico from Hitpoint Press and the rest of their team, which was just amazing people. I've heard, I've heard of this Rico. I've heard good mentions of him. He is a really, really cool guy. And uh, I've definitely got, uh, got a bit of admiration for him, too. He's, he's really co- cool. Um, but yeah, one, uh, one lunch led to another, and... Uh, now we we started producing this book, and two years later, we're here. October 12th, that Kickstarter is launching. Uh, we've got so much already done. Like, I've, it's going to be, like, honestly, it's going to be like 300 pages with, with like, the graphics and stuff. And it's going to be huge. That's so cool. I yeah. saw the cover art uh, in, in our little private thing, and, like, that's, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I You know, it's it's funny because, like, uh, Dingo, she makes these amazing videos, these really engaging stories, and she doesn't, I mean, she employs color, but she does it smartly, where she'll, like, use a one, like, theme of color, so it's not too much work or something like that, and, like, it won't be, like, everything's super duper in color, but, like, color is just present in mm-hmm. the, in the, in the thing, right? Like, like, Buclair's thing, I, I watched recently, there's a lot of pink, but, like, people aren't actually, like colored in you know what i mean mm-hmm. and she actually uh, uses an optical illusion where she'll just make the line art colored and your brain just fills it in yes 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 and like it works obviously like it works very well seeing this cover reminded me of like what could happen when someone just paints mm-hmm. <laughs> paints it in with like fully it's like whoa it's like coming to life 
Yeah. Oh, it's been beautiful. I mean, we have we have such a great team of artists just just sweating away right now, getting everything ready for the Kickstarter. And just like every week I get like a few little art pieces because I do like the reviews and the approvals and stuff. And just seeing them, it's just like, oh, let's get me so excited. I can't wait to show this to people. And the cover was definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, that's I can't imagine how exciting that's got to be. Just like Actually, I can, but to a less, when I was first making the Peace Guild, like when I started and I saw things merging together, when I saw like the uh, voice lines going in with the imagery and then the music and it all became like its own thing. And I was like, I cannot wait for people to see this. I feel like you probably have been feeling that for two years, though. Yeah. And the worst even was like for... You know, there's been two years of work, and during those two years, I wasn't allowed to talk about it. And it's just yeah. like, you know, I'm not able to really post on Twitter, like, hey, look at this, like, cool thing I'm working on, or talk about it with anyone except, like, my immediate friends and family. And it's just like, <coughs> I promise I'm I'm doing stuff. I'm not just disappearing. I'm actually working hard. Right, <laughs> but it was yeah. really worth it. I'm, I'm really, pardon my language, I'm fucking proud of this book. Hell um, yeah. And I think people are going to love it. Also, like, like we've got just, like, how to describe it? I, I'm actually not a writer, funny enough. Um, I never thought I'd be a writer, and I ended up actually enjoying it a lot. Uh, I did have the boundary of, um, like, you know, English is my second language, so I had to work a little bit harder to make sure I get my grammar and spelling right, mm-hmm. um, which I feel I did. Uh, and then Felix lost his train of thought. And now he's in the middle of the sentence. You said you never fashioned yourself a writer. Yeah. Oh, right. That was going to say that um, I actually incorporate a lot of humor in my writing. And I never noticed that until like editors started reading it and just absolutely enjoying it and laughing their asses off. (laughs) So one thing that sets this book a little bit apart from all other D&D books out there, or at least a lot of them, is we put in a lot of really good humor and we blend it just right, in my opinion, with like, you know, more like like serious, edgy stuff. But it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, no shade to uh, the folks at Grim Hollow, but that, that book was like, this isn't a serious setting uh, where it's like darkness is just taken over and blah, blah, blah. And like, I bought that book and I really love it. Um, but I do feel like that is the common theme for most setting books is that it wants to be taken seriously. So a lot of them try to be serious in their writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really see a lot that are very tongue in cheek. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say the whole book is just stupid and ridiculous or like fart jokes and stuff. It's it's really nice humor because if you think about it, most D&D sessions out there get pretty wild. Like, it's funny. Like, there's supposed to be funny moments in these campaigns where shit just goes wild. And then you look at these, like a lot of these books, and it's like, they don't, in my opinion, they don't really capture that magic of sometimes, you know, you just don't take yourself too seriously. And uh, I wanted to make sure this book has that. Like, we, we, we've we got really good stuff. We've actually got some, like, pretty hard-hitting, sometimes even pretty dark lore or events happening in there. But it's not so serious that it may even, like, you know, make make you, like, uncomfortable or, you know, the whole vibe of, like, you know... You know, like, in the world of darkness and blood, kill this guy. It's like, it, no, we don't have that here. Uh, yeah, honestly, like, if I could uh, make a little mention. So let me let me ask real quick. When did you want this? To, did you already announce the Kickstarter, uh, like, yeah. in the present day? Okay, so people know about it now. Okay. Yeah. So, so the date, October twelfth, is out there. We've got like every. It's been po- uh, posted everywhere. Newsletters have been sent out, and we've revealed the cover of the book, and we've revealed the fact that we have a Tarasque mini that is over twelve inches tall, to be more true scale, if you will. Oh yeah, I saw that too. And you're like, it's a dire Tarasque. I'm like, so it's a regular Tarasque. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Because like yeah. in the yeah one of the one of my gripes of, of fifty not to get on a big tangent is just that they got rid of colossal and diminutive like didn't really that's they're just two categories you don't need to get rid of those you can keep those if you want yeah no I I hated that I mean looking into the source material I understand why they did it because like 
So at first I thought they kind of capped the size, but I, from what it looks like, what they actually did is they tied, you know, size to certain stats. And they said, well, you can get up to your gargantuan and here's the stats for that. But it's kind of like these creatures are up to any scale and they just all refer to as gargantuan. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Because at first I'm like, why did they make everything tiny? Like, what the hell is going on? But no, it's it's just kind of a, a rule thing. So I I got over it a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Still, that, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but on a on a similar topic, a lot of five e. I come from three point five, obviously, and I converted everything to five e. In five e, everything's a lot more simple and like toned down, which is wonderful mm-hmm. to get new new players in. But I think they did the Tarasque dirty. I want to say it. I I think the official five e Tarasque they did dirty. I think you're right. It's underpowered and. Uh, it, it's it's easily beaten if you know your rules, and uh, that doesn't sit right with me. So yeah, the, in, in the, this, yeah, I was gonna say the point of the Tarasque is that it's even level twenties need to be struggling on against it. You know, yeah, like it's not supposed to easily be defeated, which is why people seal them away rather than defeat them because it's like that's somehow not as hard to do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, helicopter floating by. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I saw the stats and the size, I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to make this Tarasque proper. In in the book, I do refer to it as a dire Tarasque, but the only reason I do that is to make sure people don't get it confused. With the Say, with like, the OG, or not the OG, but the player's handbook one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in the book, yes, it's called a dire Tarasque, but it's really just my version of what I think the Tarasque should be like, both in appearance and stats. Also, there's like you can you can lure it if you wanted to, where you'd say like the ever uh, those who are familiar with monster lore know of the might and terror of the the Tarasque, and legends speak of only one Tarasque existing in the multi or in the in the in, in the multiverse. But what they are not actually referring to is not the uh, mundane Tarasque, of which there is a handful scattered about, but they are referring to the true Tarasque, the first of the of their kind, the dire Tarasque. And so then you like, yeah. it's almost like you're hearkening back to those 3.5 rules yeah. and you're like giving them a sort of like, uh, like a, not an ode, but like, um, what would you call that? You're sort of, uh, it's like a, almost like a cameo to them or like a, mm-hmm. a nod of like there was there was another yeah. I, w- I was thinking actually my in my first draft of the book i called it the primordial tarasque but i ended up going with dire tarasque instead and to like like i said i wanted to you know kind of like they did it dirty i wanted to do it better i actually went and studied all the tarasque the like the dnd tarasques they ever made looking at their stats their abilities and stuff and I wrote um, like a new description, a new ominous, like, you know, the world eater kind of thing and uh, kind of combined the best of all the Tarasks into one. So it's my it's my ultimate Tarask, to be honest. That's what I would also call it. I, what I like about the Tarask is like you've got everyone's used to these like. If you're going up against like a very powerful being, it's usually like an outsider, like an angel, a demon, a devil, some sort of like a crazy powerful undead, like a lich or like dragons and giants and stuff. Like people are very familiar with these like extremely powerful beings. What I like about the Tarasque is that it is has the intelligence of any other animal. It's just so strong that even gods don't really know how to deal with it. Like... (laughs) Like a pit fiend against a terrace, that pit fiend's like, fuck this. I'm not dealing with that thing. And like, we'll just bail, you know, like, because they could lose, right? And like, if they lose, they go back to uh, their home plane anyway, because the terrace is on the material plane. It's like, that's kind of one of the cool things about it is it's not a pet of a god of any kind. It is an independent free agent that just eats and sleeps. That's, that's it. it. That's what it does. It's just, it, in a way, it's just a dumb animal, but damn, it's an apex predator. Yeah, good luck trying to control that. I mean, unless you're Kenora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you'll see more details about exactly how that works in the book. Because, of Ooh. course, in the video, you only see a little bit. And now you'll actually get the full context about how and why it's there. And, of course, how you can interact with it. Because... 
like people like I don't want people to get the impression that they have to follow the you know the fool's gold groups decision not at all they can do their own thing this is an open world setting so yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's um I mean it's a big bellowing wilds right like there's a lot of different areas towns you know yep. uh, domains and stuff oh yeah a whole new pantheon new regions new cities new races new cultures uh religion everything yeah it's super cool uh like I, I think it's also extremely creative how much of like if you don't mind me asking i know i think i think i've heard this before we might have even talked about it but like uh so gothy's player wanted to play someone without a face and put on a mask uh and was just like kind of senile but you also had the four claimers when did you decide that Gothy was going to become a four four come? By the way, spoilers. I don't know if anyone's listening to this, but like, <laughs> if you got this far and you think, "Oh, I can just listen to this and not have any spoilers for the Fool's Gold cartoon," I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> I'm, I, I might put a spoiler alert just so that I'm like being respectful. But like, if you. Yeah, I mean, it should be obvious that that's where this was going. You, if you, if this is spoilers to you, you deserve it. But uh, yeah, I, I just want to ask, like, did, was that your idea to make Gothia a foreclaimer, or did you, uh, or did like, because was Gothia's player like, did they have like, they're like, oh, they're an elf of some kind, but like they weren't very specific. They kind of just gave you free reign. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, that's actually so interestingly. This is a question I get a lot. That, that's actually interesting. A lot of people are curious about I, this. I think, I think I've heard this before, but I just don't remember what your answer was. So yeah, it's no, mostly for, sure. for me. And, and I can always give a bit of extra context on it because um, when Gothi made her character, it was just, um, oh, I think it was a green hag. Remember, it's all 3.5. So it was a green hag oh. was her race. And um, she didn't really have too much in mind for the lore. She kind of took it easy. And she said, you know what, I'm I'm going to be Swamp Hag. I'm going to have a mask because, uh, like, someone cut off her face. And then, like, her dog, Jawbone, found her. And that's it. That, that's basically the um, the context I was given for the character. And she likes potatoes and ducks. That came over time, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Ah, okay. I mean, she was having a lot of fun just playing this character because it's just like, you know, you get to be senile, you get to do a lot mm -hmm. of the D&D &D silly stuff, and she kept, like, poisoning people and throwing potatoes <laughs> at them. Like, that, that was just hilarious. Um, but uh, when would this be? This would be around, like, I think it was, like, the, the first or the second ruins that they explored was um, when I did that reveal and of course ohio jack you know stabs her with the crystal that actually happened like my players did not know about any of that and uh, i revealed it to them live in session that yeah gothi is actually a foreclaimer and the player didn't know gothi's player had no idea and they lost their shit it was great it was absolutely magical that is actually very cool yeah there's there's something to be said about giving up a bit of control of your character for the dm if you trust that they can like write something really interesting and, and neat for you mm -hmm. yeah i mean she wasn't even saying like you know oh just take my character you know, like like just fuck me up bro like they didn't say anything like that they really just said yeah this is my story and i just kind of like took the initiative and uh took it a little further and uh they, lucky for me they ended up really liking it that was it took a gamble and that was one of my best gambles because it paid off <laughs> hell yeah i uh Man, now you got me thinking about, I had my, so when we last talked, I think I mentioned Gen Con and I mentioned that I was doing Curse of Strahd for some of our friends. Yeah. Uh, well, that happened. This is after Gen Con. It's why I got a bit of a cough and a sore throat. Mm -hmm. uh, got that con crud. The con flu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I had my first, it was actually two sessions because I have way more material than I thought I did. And people just really enjoyed, like, like role-playing and interacting with each other and with my NPCs. And so, like, we didn't get as far... I thought we were going to get through this whole haunted house thing uh, in one session. And I was mistaken. Like, I, I remember I was, like, we were sitting down in person doing the session or whatever. And then at some point, uh, 
Fel the Leb, who, who plays a, uh, a like a Goliath character named Kilroth, he's like, hey, um, look, uh, this has been really great, but we've been going for about three hours now. And I looked at him like, three hours? <laughs> I'm like, that's your yank in my chain. It has not been three hours. He's like, yeah, no, it has. And there's other people here, you know, some people just came in and arrived, like, uh, I love playing this. I would love to continue playing this, but I don't want to like miss out on an opportunity to like hang out with everybody else. And I was like, fuck, three hours. Yeah, no. Okay. We can stop here. It's fine. We'll just, oh my God. Like I, it didn't feel like that. It felt like an hour and a half at most. Yeah. I get that. That's good. Though. Cause that means everybody was having fun. If time flies by. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, and, and people would pop in. Right. So like to give people an idea of what we did, we went to Gen Con, which is a gaming, um, like a, a tabletop gaming convention in Indianapolis. Well, I'm about to cough real hard. <coughs> that was a cough and a half. Goddamn. Yeah, I was like building up. But we went to Gen Con with a bunch of people. Like everyone just sort of met up and we got an Airbnb together. It was this... Uh, it was like two units. We got both units. So like one of them was had the bigger living room area. And that was like the main sort of communal area that people would go to where it had a big TV and a kitchen, an open like space kitchen. That was a very cool floor plan, actually. I was like very much a fan of how it was laid out. But like that's where everyone was. And the other half, like you just walk outside onto like the deck. And then there was at the other end of the deck, a door that led to the other half of the uh, unit that was like kind of disconnected Mm -hmm. and so in the uh dining room area for that part of the part of the thing that's where we held our DD game so we weren't like interrupting anybody else and they weren't interrupting us but some people would like pop in from time to time like jess jackdaw was there and he would like come in just to kind of see like hey how's it going what you guys doing and uh among them was uh davy chappie was there too uh and he Came in, kind of just silently, like, watched as I was, like, doing doing my thing, DMing this thing, you know, and kind of left. And I, I didn't really make much note of it because a couple people, like, came in to look for a moment and then go back. So when I went back, eventually, uh, when we were done with that first session, Davy was like, you did really good. That was a really good, uh, you, you were a really good DM in that, uh, in that session. I was like, what? Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Time out. Time out. Hold the phone. Davy Chappie is paying me a compliment on my dungeon mastering skills. Excuse me. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, no, I, I've run Curse of Straw before. I really love that module. And uh, I don't think I've ever done it as well as I saw you doing it in there. Like you were really good. I almost like. Because like, I don't, you know, I'm not like a huge, big fan of like Davy's content or anything, but Davy's like very stoic characterization like very kind of like dry humor that's just kind of who he is mm-hmm. him paying praise is not that's not insignificant i was like oh my god am i actually okay at this um that was a very cool moment and i think mm-hmm. that the whole time dilation combined with that is like giving me hope that maybe i actually have dming skills that i that have been dormant <laughs> since i've been a player for so long <laughs> leveling up to your ultimate potential <laughs> yeah like, I, if you don't mind, can I share some of the stuff that, like, I we were doing? Sure. Um, I won't share too much. Basically, uh, let's let's just... I'll, I'll do, like, a spoiler for my players. If any of my players are uh, listening to this, I'm going to just talk about some backstory stuff, but not plot stuff, really, uh, other than what's already been revealed. So, if you want to skip ahead to this timestamp to, like, just avoid maybe overhearing something maybe you're not supposed to overhear out of game... Just go there. This is for just my players. Everyone else should be fine. Um, but uh, you've been warned. You've been warned. Yeah. But uh, instead of starting at Death House, I think I mentioned we're starting at the House of uh, Lament, which is in the um, Van Richten's Guide. And for the most part, I kept to that, like the floor plan, especially. And I, I definitely took some of the like NPCs that it came with. Uh, I, I kept like most of the history of the house, but I changed up a lot of like how they go about exploring it because I give them a bunch of NPCs that I introduced them with. And then like three of them were part of this investigation team, although one of them was just like a hired mercenary. 
He's just a human warrior, Boren the Boring, just <laughs> just a guy, doesn't like ghosts, afraid of ghosts even, just doing this for money, not leaving the main room that they, like the, they got like a, like a sitting room with a fireplace and like a little seance table, like he's just not leaving that room, he's just like, I don't, I, look, if I come up against a ghost, all I have is a sword and a shield, I'm gonna die, like I'm not... <laughs> I, I believe in ghosts. I'm a very religious dude. I'm not going to fuck around with that. If you want to go investigate, that's your thing. I just will protect you from brigands to and from. That's it. And then there's like Gladys Smokewing, a tiefling sort of accountant for this adventuring guild that uh, another of our players works with. She's kind of overseeing this paranormal investigator, a, a squat little gnome named Dr. Ecto Fiddleglow, who's an artificer, and his infusions are custom infusions that kind of replicate paladin powers like divine sense for example he has a little uh spirit detection uh device that is like a constant divine sense radar thing but it's to 30 feet instead of 60 feet uh and it doesn't like run out it just keeps going bing 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 and gives him mm-hmm. like readings but like most of them are like not combatants and the the thing that i'm trying to focus on more so than fighting for this right now is the horror theme, because you mentioned that people like to fool around in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, you know, spoiler for anyone who hasn't played. Like, yeah. we like to joke around when we're with friends. It's fun. And in my experience, the more seriously you try to get people to take your game, the less serious it's going to be taken. Oh yeah, there's no way. You, if to here's my DMing tip for people. If you want people to be afraid, let them be have fun. Give them give them fun stuff to do. Interesting NPCs is so important. Like you don't even have to have crazy voice work. Just give them personalities that are like very much like feels real. Like make sure you don't forget that they're there. Like I I drew these characters and I like have tokens for them and that really helps me forget uh remember rather that there are these npcs hanging around it makes them involved makes them care and they can kind of joke around pal around have these discussions with them and then freak them out a little just like here's what i did with uh, eldritch sugar's character she's this um she's playing this uh dragonborn pirate woman Mm -hmm. who just so happens to be taking the lead taking point in exploring the house well, when you do that, you get to see some cool shit. Um, she first, before it, like it started like raining and thundering as like the mist closed in around the house. So like she went outside to the porch to just sort of like take in the storm because she's like n- not on the ocean. She kind of misses that weather. And so this is kind of like a callback for that. But she looks up at the balcony that's like just barely jutting out from like the awning over the uh, porch. And in the. Even though she's got magical dark vision, she's a Hexblade Warlock, she's got the Devil Sight. Even with that, because of the mist and the rain, it's obscured. So all she can make out on the edge of that balcony is a figure, mm-hmm. a shape of a clearly humanoid person that's standing at the rail, turns around and walks towards the uh, part of the balcony that meets the house on the second floor. So that's kind of freaky right and mm. i just i mentioned that i'm like you see this you cannot make out its shape though because of the mist and the rain it's obscuring your vision but you clearly see somebody's up there that's all i give her so then she has <laughs> to tell the players what she saw and then one of the npcs is like well you know there's i mean we we found this house after it had been gone like literally it was it disappeared and then it just suddenly appeared we don't know what the nature of that uh, disappearance was it could have been you know, temporal, uh, temporal magic, uh, though that would be very sort of rare. Uh, it could be like an illusion. Honestly, that's probably what it was with some sort of ward or illusion that wore off. Um, and there could be like a squatter, like some homeless person that saw the place, saw those empty and just decided to take a presence. So like we have claimed this legally from the adventuring guild and everything. Like if you find this homeless person, we're not going to kick them out to the storm, but like they need to know that they can't squat here after we start our investigation in earnest. So they're like, oh, 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 it's just the homeless. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. So then they go up to the second floor to kind of find this person. <laughs> Guess who takes point? It's, uh, it's Rianne the pirate dragonborn <laughs> lady. She turns a corner, 
And I tell her this, I say, uh, you turn a corner in this narrow hallway and you see the end of that narrow hallway that turns a similar corner, kind of goes uh, to the right, down a ways, and then to the right again. But at that second turn, when you turn the corner, you see down there, you swear on your life, you see someone move out of sight, like move just past there. Like they were just moving just as you were moving. And then she's like, uh, I take out my weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. But, and like, did I, I wasn't trying to get them to stop joking around. Even the NPCs were joking around. But like, remember in a horror game, folks, like people doing humor, that's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's not out of place. People like to make jokes because it makes them feel more comfortable amidst the unknown and the horrors around them. I mean, if you've ever been in like a haunted house, that's that's all you see. You know, people having a good time, then they go like, "Oh God, what's that?" And you know, they go back to laughing and having a good time. It's the <laughs> right, same in D and D. Exactly, and you can still be unsettling. Like I have not. The only damage. Okay, <laughs> there is. There's two things that that have damaged players thus far because there's been no enemies. I have been made, I've made sure that they're not fighting anything because they're level two. I don't want to kill them, but I want them to know that they could be killed. The first thing that uh, hurt them was they fell off some stairs, taking nine points of falling damage because they were like 30 feet up on a spiral staircase in a tower. So like that was half the health of two characters, but not from that was because they fell like that's not that's not like I just tried to kill them. You know, that was like if you fall 30 feet onto like hard stone that will deal nine points of damage to most people. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second was one of the players touched a cursed harp, forcing them to play harp music. But it, uh, because it was cursed, it would go faster and faster until their fingers started to bleed and blood run down the strings of the harp. And they'd take uh, a point here, slashing damage, a point there, slashing damage until someone could pull them off the harp. Ooh, I like that one. I like that a lot. Yeah, that one's actually from the book. That's actually in the, I didn't make that one up. But I did, I did look up harp, a harp cover of Toccata and Fugue, which is that, uh, Bach song. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got a heart version of that and then I like turned up the tempo as time would go on. And so <laughs> I would I played it in the session and as the tempo was going up I was like by the way uh, your fingers are starting to hurt. It's playing faster than you noticed. And then like he's like hey I can't stop playing it's playing faster someone help and then they're like trying to get him off and I'm like yeah uh, now um you're you've noticed that uh this this warm sensation on your fingers and this sharp pain as you are cutting them up take a point of slashing damage please get me off this harp (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh i like that because combining that with the music is really good especially when you have music that can keeps increasing in speed and intensity that's such a nice way to build suspension really quickly i'm really trying to go the extra mile for just art and music assets for this Mm -hmm. because it's very uh but uh, anyway so all this actually isn't spoilers for my players so if you did if you were naughty and you uh my players you you stayed this far in, cool. No, no worries. <laughs> this is actually the part where you might want to like skip ahead like a couple minutes because I want to talk about a character specifically that I'm very, I, I really like. This is specifically Dieter. Dieter, if you're listening to this, don't be, don't be naughty. All right, we're gonna find naughty. you. Skip, skip two minutes ahead. All right, I just want to mention something to Felix real quick. All right, two minutes. Dieter's playing a character named Huxley Mud, which is actually uh, Jess's Heliana's guide has this Lodal race, which is like Axolotl, right? Mm-hmm. So he's doing that, but he's like a shrimp. He's like really small uh, because he's like 14 years old. And you know what? I, I think actually I'll just I'll beep this out. I just want to tell you, Felix, because I okay, think this sure. is cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm too afraid that this will get back to him. So I'm just going to bleep all that out. Yeah. But um, I, like that. I like the sound of that. I hope Dieter likes it as well. I think he will. I think he will for sure. Yeah, he's gonna adore this. Also, there's um. Oh, I've got so many cool plans. Tell me what you think of this one too. So, <laughs> thanks for letting me gush about it. I'm so excited because I feel like these are really good ideas, and I like couldn't have done it without my players. But I also am like, I have so many directions I could take this in. It's like really oh, sure. yeah so cool. i mean i mean i get it because like the thing is as a dm you never get to talk to people 
you know, I'm not. The, I don't get to like sit in front of my my players and be like, "Hey, what do you guys think of like these ideas I have planned for you?" Like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to get these chances where you can just talk with a DM one on one, and it's just like, "Hey, no spoilers, but what do you think of this?" Yeah, for sure. No, I totally get that. Let's bring it back to you, because sure. uh, you you said you haven't DM'd in a long time. Last time uh, we were on, Oof. you said that. Yeah. And um, are you? playing in any games are you like doing any D aside from from that right now yeah i, I mean i've played uh I've, i'm in a current i'm currently in a weekly campaign so every uh like once a week i uh play my D character mr crackers if you follow gothy on twitter That's she right. plays fan art all the time hell yeah yeah, so, uh, and I play with, uh, that's between just, um, so, Gothi, Dingo, and myself. It's just a really small, like, 1v2 campaign. Yeah. That's been going on for a while. It's probably, it's probably still another year or so before we finish that up. And uh, aside from that, it's been, uh, man, almost a bit like cold turkey from DMing, and I don't like it. It's because, like, right, working on the book uh, had me so busy for a while, and, like, moving to another province in Canada and stuff, and now I'm just like... Okay, as part of this Kickstarter promo, I have a lot of live games to GM, and uh, shit, I hope I can still do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I look forward to getting back into it. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's like going on vacation. It's like nice to take a break, but eventually it's like, all right, you know, that's enough. I want to get back into it now. Like, let's go. Yeah, I, I especially feel that way because I've been a player for so long. I think I've like, I've developed preferences as a player that I want to cater to with a group. So, like, if I if I notice a DM has a specific style that I'm like, hmm, I'm not, I don't feel like that's resonating with me. How could, if I were to do this, how could I make that better? And, like, I've been kind of thinking like that for a while. So now that I'm able to DM, I get to sort of test these theories out and employ them and see if they resonate with my players and if not you know move on to something that's more gonna work right but like i i mean thus far like people have been giving me good uh reviews <laughs> i mean from everything you're talking about with me it sounds fucking awesome what you're doing i'll have to show you some of the assets i've been working on because uh i'm i'm really going way too overboard with it <laughs> it's okay to have fun like that's what it's all about yeah i actually um I got a really unique compliment the other day uh, when I was talking to um, I was talking to Gothi about how I'm preparing some of these these live games and these public games, and um, she found out um, as we were just chatting that I actually research all my players before I play a game with them. Usually, like if I at all get get the chance, I do that. So, like, I'll just look them up, you know, what can I find about them on, like, you know, I don't know, like, Twitter or, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, TikTok or whatever. And I just see, like, what they like. And then I make a best guess on that. And I try to incorporate elements of that in all of my games. I do that for all the games I can, if I have the time. And uh, that was a big, fat compliment from from uh, from her because apparently... Uh, she, this is the first time she's ever heard of it. And it's like, do you, I'm curious, do you do anything like that at all? Like, do you, I mean, I mean, all DMs try to like cater to their players, I guess. That's yeah. Do you, really let me special. ask then, do you mean like research just, um, like the person or research? Yeah. No, the person. Ooh. Yeah. Not, not to like, not to stalker degrees, but it's just like, oh, okay. I see you love monster hunter. Well, perfect. I can totally throw in a big monster in there for you to hunt or you know, another player, it's like, oh, I see you're really in the mood of like, you know, here's a tale uh, of mystery and treasure and yeah. legends, you know? And it's like, okay, totally. I'll work in something like a fairy tale into this session, you know? Fair. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. L- let me think for a sec, because I, I know I I know the people in this group. So my research, I guess, is just from knowing them. like. Uh, like they i, I kind of just ask them a lot about what they envision their character like and mm-hmm. and i try to bring I, when we were building their backstories it was definitely like a communal thing where like because a lot of them didn't know you know i was like well what's what's the name of your like what are your parents names and they're like oh god names and i'm like yeah <laughs> 
Uh, oh God, names. What, no. where, what's your home? <laughs> where did you live? Like, did you have a hometown or did you travel around? Like, you know, what's uh, oh, you're a noble. What's your kingdom? What's your family name? Like, what's your siblings' names? Like, yeah, it's the way to go. Those are those are kind of hard in the moment to figure out but it gets them thinking because then they they like there's more to a person than the person there's a whole life around that person that like these experiences that shaped them and so by putting names to these concepts it solidifies them as like little little anchors in their in their personal stories like this is a real person that really existed that affected you in a, a real way yeah and of course, at the same time, you're stocking up your DM ammunition box mm-hmm. of just like, ah, trauma over there, a dead sibling over there. Right. And they're like, but... Gonna kill your mother fairly soon. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are like, but but we're gonna be in Barovia, so we're not gonna see any of these people. And I'm like, you don't know what's gonna happen. That's not for you to say. Maybe you won't. Maybe there'll be a dream or a flashback. You don't know what's gonna happen, right? Like, there's so yeah. many things that could happen in a D&D game, but, like, to just eschew these very important details is, like, I won't stand by it. I won't have it. Mm-mm. Give me all that good, good ammo. Exactly. Um, so, like, I think characters I, I research, but, like, those characters are informed by the preferences of, you know, the, the players. and mm-hmm. And so... I uh I guess I like I know that everyone in this group really likes the role play more mm. than necessarily the the fighting and mechanics but people like to be able to show those abilities off. So my my biggest goal is to introduce ways of using your spells and powers and abilities that aren't necessarily just fighting right Mm -hmm. there are going to be fights there have to be right but i don't want every encounter with an antagonistic force to necessarily be something where you just have to kill it whack it enough times till it dies like there will be antagonistic forces that that's not going to work on them Maybe the answer isn't to fight. It could be some other thing. I'm not going to say what. I don't want to give people ideas, but, you know, hey, you fucking played Undertale. Like, just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes fighting isn't the answer, right? Exactly. But sometimes it absolutely is. So it's like, I want them case by case to role play it out and to figure out what is the right move. Because that's mm-hmm. organic and it gives them choice. As yeah. Jake from XP Level 3 says, he always tries to give his players choice in a game, doesn't really like things that take that choice away. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm, I'm firm in that camp as well. That's, And in my opinion, that's why it's called encounter, not specifically combat encounter or roleplay encounter. This is just an encounter and it's for you to figure it out. Exactly. And sure, there again, there are going to be times and that is the answer is combat. And there are going to be enemies that aren't going to be able to be uh placated in a way that isn't violent right but Mm -hmm. there's most of the time there's going to be some sort of catch some sort of thing like a like a puzzle like there's some sort of thing you could do that could make the thing leave you alone perhaps maybe not ally with you but maybe makes you invisible to them or something or maybe uh it's you know might go for something other than you first because it takes that thing takes priority over you right or something like that mm-hmm. there's like yeah. a million different ways you can make that work now in a similar vein it's like one of the first um things i explain to all my players it's like not every encounter is meant to be fought head-on that's always a big disclaimer i say there's some some tough as nails things you're gonna face and there is a solution but it's not necessarily just a roll of the dice. Very, very true. Sometimes, yeah. Like, I, the thing is, this is... Uh, I, I talked about the custom rules, too, that I was introducing last time. Mm-hmm. I don't want... I want things to be high stakes. I want there to be things that have the power to kill a player. Or not not a player, yeah. God, no. Uh, to kill a character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe. The game, you die, the game you die for real. Yeah. I want those things to exist. They absolutely do. But 
something I've always been annoyed with. Maybe you, maybe you're, you're, you felt similarly or I've seen this, but like when people play evil characters, um, they will play them in a way that makes them cartoonishly evil to the point where it doesn't actually make sense anymore for them. Like it doesn't actually benefit them to be that cartoonishly evil mm-hmm. or like they'll play a care, uh, like a, a monster um, or like a, an animal, a beast, but they'll make it fight to the death. When animals don't do that, if an animal's really hurt and feels like it's cornered or it can't win a fight, it will flee before it fights to the death. Like, tigers will even do that. Like, mm. you know, that's the idea that an animal will kill itself in, in an attempt for just a meal, maybe. Like, no meal is worth killing yourself. Especially yep. if it's like a vertebrate, right? Maybe like a bug is it like might not know to not do that or something. But I mean, shit, even bugs run away if you like, you know, I don't know. It just it makes it, it makes me feel as though uh, a lot of DMs don't understand how like how intelligent you know beings work. Look, a skeleton. Yeah, that will fight to the death. It's a skeleton. It's being controlled or or it's animated by some unnatural force. So, yeah, it's not going to act in ways that make sense, really. Because it's not sensical, but like a bandit, for example, if if a, ba- a bunch mm-hmm. of bandits attack and you're kicking their ass and you kill like three out of their eight dudes in six seconds, the leader might see three dudes drop in six seconds and be like, fuck, everybody run. <laughs> like He's not going yeah, exactly. to put himself at risk, you know, knowing that there's a risk that he could die. For what gold? There's, these are like warriors. We'll we'll get civilians next time. Like Jerry, Lenny, and like Fred are all done. They're done. They're just done. So like we need to like go so that we don't end up like they did. Yeah, actually, I'll go full on into that, and I address it in the book, saying like, look, don't just make your encounters so vanilla. Make them dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a goblin encounter. You might be sneaking into their camp by accident, you know, or like they're in the middle of dinner or stuff like that. And also, yeah, like you say, not everybody's going to fight to the death. Absolutely not. Or even if a monster is trying to attack the party, you know, or or like someone is, they might take a player hostage and say, drop your weapons. I'm going to kill them. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes the game a lot more dynamic and again, reinforces choice because it's your, you can choose as a player, like, oh, you might still take your shot. But your ally might get their throat slit because of it. Do you take the shot? Yeah. Can we make for some really tense uh, moments, which are just mwah, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really the the big thing. It's like, yeah, you can you can. There's, there's people who are like, don't railroad your players, and it's like, well, you can have tracks though. Like, you can give players the option to follow the tracks to see where the story goes, and then if there's stuff that goes off the rails, like. That's where your improv comes in, but like, make sure, for example, if you're going to introduce an NPC and they're a throwaway NPC, plan on them not being a throwaway NPC because oftentimes players will be like, ah, that person is now a permanent fixture in our game. Uh, I really like this, this rando person that you just made. So I'm going to interact with them a lot. If you're a DM and you didn't plan on doing that, don't be like a sour what is sourpuss or whatever and just be like really sort of bland with your interactions because you didn't expect to give them some personality make them interesting like mm-hmm. like the player this is what the player wants they are resonating with this character even if you didn't plan on it well now it's happening roll with it make it uh more enjoyable for you too by incorporating this character that happened in a, a one-off I, I did with some friends where they had, um, there was a bad guy actually, uh, he was Cap- Captain Felglow, <laughs> and he was like the captain <laughs> of this it. guard, he was a very like blonde hair, uh, but like, you know, he conventionally sort of like, uh, like a sort of like a Caucasian version of attractiveness, but he, there was something off about him, he had this, he was way too cocky. He also had these like bags under his eyes, like something was a little up. Maybe he wasn't sleeping. Who knows? But he mm. basically came into this tavern with his like all soldiers, like eleven or twelve other soldiers, and they're like being loud and rambunctious. The party's in a booth talking about this job that they're going to do. Um, that's going to involve them like sneaking into like 
uh, this country that's at war that's ruled over by tieflings and they use like devilish magic and shit. So it's a very dangerous place they're about to go into. They see uh, Dalglo like start to kind of be a little bit, you know, uh, pushy with the barmaid in a, in a not so cool way. And they decide, oh, these guys are going to die. But how are they going to die? Well, one guy goes over. He's a bard. And he's just like, uh, he starts palling around with them playing the song and stuff. And then he's like, hey, you know, I've got, I've got a spell that can actually create an image like a painting uh, of you as a group, like instantly. It's like a little flash. And then it creates an image of you all together that you can just keep. <laughs> um they basically describing a camera and they're like, really, really uh-huh. it makes this deception check. And I was like, whoa, cool. It's like, everybody get together. Uh, uh, I'm going to get you all in on this thing. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I wonder what he's actually going to do. So I get everyone together and he goes, I cast shatter. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so hits everybody. Um, the only I think almost all the soldiers die. Anyone who didn't die gets sweeped up except for Felglo, who's got the most hit points. He decides he's scared. So he's running, right? One of the guys is playing a uh he plays this um this monk, right? So he could chase him down, but he's a strength based like Oni. Chases him down, uh grapples him and like brings him back and he goes, No, no, no. You're you're not going anywhere. You're coming with us. We we need a little Patsy to to follow us around. So he ties him up, and they decide to rename him Briefcase because he's carrying him around by. He's like hog tied. He's like carrying him around by like where he tied him, like a briefcase. And he's like, please Holy let shit. me go. He's like, nah, nah, you're in this now. So this guy that I thought they were just gonna kill or send running, they wouldn't let go. He stayed with them the entirety of. I think it was like a two shot the entirety of the two shot until the end when they actually like defeated the bad guy they had sent him he was like a, a meat shield they use for traps and stuff he's like scarred by acid and blades and stuff like this <laughs> and he's like can i go now and he goes no no you're coming with me you're gonna be my my sidekick and he's like no <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was the fate of this awful former captain of the guard that they have renamed briefcase that's a fate way better than death. I love that. Yeah. Um, and like, I didn't plan on that, but I rolled with it, even though it wasn't necessarily like I, I, I made sure to mention out of, out of game, like this is absolutely fucked up. Like this isn't, this is like completely fucked what you're doing, but oh, as long so as you want to do it, I will, I will continue to role play that. Yeah. It's super <laughs> fucked up, but no, it's, it's everybody's having fun. Who cares? Like mm-hmm, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that a lot. I'm, try- I'm now trying to think if I had anything similar to that happen in one of my campaigns. I mean, I mean, yes, but I'm just trying to remember it. Which yeah, is, uh, I think, I, think I, I started that story off with like advice, right? Like, you yeah. know, don't Dynamic don't discount what your players want to do because they're the ones playing the game with you. Like, that's what they want. That's gonna make it fun for them, and then therefore more fun for you too. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Gosh, just another. See, this is a similar example. It's not exactly the same. The same thing, but many of my characters just keep adopting things they shouldn't be adopting all the time. Like we'll we'll be going up against like some kind of difficult combat encounter. It's almost like a boss fight, and then somehow by the end, it's my pet, and like willingly, <laughs> we just like, yeah, this is my wyvern. Uh, her name is Skittles, and uh, we're going to go explore. It's <laughs> a great name for a wyvern, actually. Right? Yeah. Oh, wait. I do that all the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, let your players do their thing. And if, you're, if you prefer not to give them that freedom, that's okay. I just recommend you write a novel instead, because you're going to actually enjoy the amount of control that gives you over every encounter. Right. But like. From- yeah. Yeah, for myself, I see myself as just another player at the table. I just happen to be playing the NPCs. Mhm. And Yeah, uh, it's you're setting up a thing. You might have plans for what character other characters that you control are going to be doing should certain events happen. But that's all you need. That's all you need because if you yeah. know your NPCs and your monsters and you know how they would act, 
like you know their personalities. When the players come out of left field with some wacko thing, you could be like, okay, I know how this character would act in this moment, and they would act in this way. Yeah, know their and, motivations and, ahead of time. Yeah, and if and if they're stumped, then you could always have it come down to a persuasion check or a animal handling or whatever relevant charisma thing that you need to do to influence that character just to see like because it could be a coin toss but at least let them have the chance to toss that coin right yeah yeah i mean that's this is actually one of the main reasons i've become uh such an improv dm um like it's my specialty and it's just because i enjoy exploring as much as my players so when i'm there yes i know roughly what we're about to do and where we're gonna go but i don't know how they're gonna do it I don't know which way they're going to do to accomplish it. And they might actually go off in a completely different direction. But I still get to sit there and get to be part of this adventure. Because I, I just mm-hmm. love adventure. I love exploring. And even though I'm the DM, I want to be there with them. And For sure. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's what drives me to do improv. It's, it's just, it has that magic for me. I don't, and that's why I don't like modules. Because to me, I don't, um, like when I run a module, I feel like, well, I know everything that's here. Sure, I can expand upon it a bit, but for the most part, I know what the whole place is. But mm-hmm. if I do a bit of improv with my own worlds, then it's like, well, let's play on Tuesday and find out what it's going to be. Yeah, I there there's something to be said for that. I think if if you're just with friends, that makes so much sense to do that because it's like a journey you and your friends are taking together. Um, I was... Uh, and this is just an idea, but I'm thinking about it. And this and this sort of game that I'm doing now is a bit of a trial run. Um, but uh, Davy suggested that I would be pretty suited for running games for money, like uh, like professionally DMing. Um, and I asked Davy a couple of questions, like, "Hey, what's a, you know, like what, like you you do this." like for yourself and stuff and you've got like a system like how does that go he goes well people will you know pay for a tier on patreon and if they do that then i add them into a game and my rules are uh or my guarantees to them is like uh generally it's once a week but i always guarantee at least twice a month if i have to skip um for some reason right and sessions last about three hours sometimes four depending and uh, he always runs modules because otherwise when you're running for all these different groups, it's hard to keep track of like a homebrew world and like do that exploration that you just said. Right. Mm. So like sometimes modules actually make a lot of sense. And I was thinking about what he said and like, if I could do that and I'm still thinking about it, I'm, nothing's in stone, but I know curse of Strahd well enough now that I think I could probably run that and I do my own spin on it. And that's kind of what this is, is I'm, Throwing my own spin on it to see if it'll work. Uh, and thus far it is. But I mean, obviously, it's, we're only two sessions in. If it continues to work and this is just like a good thing I got going here, then I might run my own custom deal later and people can like pay to be in that sort of adventure. Right. Yeah. Because I still have a lot of freedom because I know it so well, right? Like, I know what I can change, what I could drop that I think just doesn't work, what I could, you know, like, tip the scales a little bit so that uh, a certain character has a higher likelihood of appearing or playing a a certain role, you know, because I just think they're a good character not to, like, waste. You know, there are, like, things I could do that I'm aware of that could make this a very fun time. And a lot of people will play through Curse of Strahd multiple times. So I'm like, you know what? I could do that. But if it's, if it were, like, if I was playing with this group of friends um, after this and I was DMing, I probably would do like a homebrew thing, like you just said, mm-hmm. because that, I do also like that sense of discovery. And that's kind of what this is right now for me. Even though I know Curse of Strahd, I've introduced enough homebrew that I don't actually know what's going to, it's exciting for me because I don't know how this is going to interact with the book stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so there. Yeah, there's a mix for for me right now, but I think what you're doing is just as valid for how you're doing it. They're just completely different methods because with me talking about improv, I never want to imply improv is better or worse or anything like that compared to anything else. 
Because there's mm-hmm. so many different styles of DMing. Some people love to just go straight by the module. Some people like to do a modified module. Some people like to go full homebrew. Um, nothing is invalid. If anything, mm-hmm. for beginner DMs, it's like, yeah, you should maybe start with a module because you get the gist. You get the structure of what you can go for. And you get an idea of all the cool things you maybe wouldn't have thought of incorporating, like a cursed harp that makes your fingers bleed when you play it. You know, that's awesome fodder to get your brain going. Yeah, I recommend too for people who are wanting to get into DMing, but like feeling like they're not good enough or, well, my story's not going to be compelling enough. If you are really worried about how compelling your story is going to be, the best thing you could do is... is talk to your players and ask what they're looking for directly just say what do you want out of this game because then you can incorporate that and even if it's not perfect even if you're not matt mercer over here doing like something crazy convoluted and cool you're going to give your players what they want no matter what and it doesn't have to be perfect you'll still learn and you'll still get better by doing. You have to learn by doing. That's the only way you can increase your own skill yeah. at it. And just pretend that your party is just your play testers. They test your story. And me, personally, after every single session, I ask my party, did you guys have fun? Is there anything, any specific thing that stands out as good or bad? And uh, we're, yeah. of course, since we've played for so long, we're very comfortable saying, didn't like that really love this you know and honestly usually there is almost none of that it's just like yeah we just loved it we want more so but for sure it's important to get that feedback from your players i mean ultimately you're there to give everybody a good time including yourself so just make sure everybody's having fun and if that's there well then everything else is just bonus hell yeah yeah by the way you should totally go for the professional dm thing i actually agree oh. i agree with davy chappy you i think you can do that <laughs> And uh, I th- you remember, like, you don't have to just now declare, like, I'm going to be a pro DM forever. It's like, you can just do this for a few weeks, years. Like, it's up to you. But I think you should do yeah. this. Which also makes a really weird thought in my head that's kind of awesome to think that one day there might be a pro DM out there that is using the Fool's Gold module for their material. And that blows my oh. mind. That one day, that's going to be very soon after that book releases. Trust me on that one. That blows my mind. I've never actually connected those two dots. It's just like, oh, whoa, that's kind of weird. Like, there might be a pro DM who's just like, yeah, hey, guys, once a week, you know, sign up for my game so you can pay me and I'll run you through Fool's Gold. Like, whoa, that's fucking awesome. That is very cool. And there's, yeah, so many people that will want to do that, too. Yeah. I, uh, thank you for, for saying that. I... I, I am seriously considering it right now. I'm just, I just wrapped up a a game that I was playing. It was like a Star Wars Five E thing. It was a very nice ending. It was very, it's very cute. I I'm very like, because it didn't end in violence. Even though I was like, uh, a dark side force user, I like talked the bad guy into joining us. We killed their bad guy like their master or whatever like without him even realizing it we set up a a bomb like thing where he was supposed to meet with them and then just like ended the game and had an epilogue and it was like really fun cool yeah that was that was really good i I was very happy with that i hope i was also very um i was the face of the party so i hope i didn't like step on anybody's like ideas and plans it seemed like everyone had fun exactly uh, but, that's that's your measurement if everybody had fun don't second guess it yeah but that one just wrapped up i've got maybe two more games that i i think are going to be wrapping up relatively soon ish which will then free up the days for me to then maybe actually seriously consider doing like the dming thing so if you're listening to this if you've gone this far into the podcast folks that might actually be a uh, patreon thing that i might do uh, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. You might want to even, I don't know, join join for like a dollar a month. It's not a big deal. Just, you know, however much you want. <laughs> Five bucks a month. <laughs> Five bucks a month. What I, I don't want to like tell people how much to join for, but the tier will have a price. No, I, I get it. I mean, like yeah. you, you got to be humble because it's your Patreon, but I am the guest and I can tell people oh. <laughs> if a DM is putting three hours of their precious time Plus prep time that you don't even get to experience into your entertainment, you can pay him 20 to 50 bucks. <laughs> you could. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely do that for me. Uh, <laughs> 
I um I also make a lot of the token. I mean, I'm, that's what I've been doing is making tokens for this too. So like, I'm gonna reuse these if I'm doing Curse of Strahd again, and they're really nice. And it's gonna feel really kind of custom and stuff. And I will make tokens for my players. That's part of it. You get your own token. Oh, if you shit. have art, yeah. So like. I'll show you in a minute here, uh, Felix, because we're, we're going to wrap up pretty soon. But essentially, like my, uh, my players all made art of their characters, but everyone's got a different art style, right? So what I did was I have a token template where I took their art, kind of made it a little transparent, and I traced over it and kind of drew it in my style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then I put like the same background filter, maybe a different like color coded thing so that they all have a consistent style. But it's clearly their character in the position that they drew them in when they sent me the art. Nice. So like everyone's got their own. And plus, because it's a token in Roll20, when it's really small, those thick, my thick outlines that are like part of my style, you can see very much more clearly. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I mean, God, yeah. if you make people tokens, it's just an extra bonus. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up. All right. Felix, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can always find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Felix Ernich. And uh, you can find, of course, our Kickstarter launching on October 12th. Foolsgold5e.com will be a link to that Kickstarter. So uh, write in your calendars, uh, stop buying food and save up some money for that. And uh, yeah, it'd be really awesome if you could support it because you're not just supporting me, you're supporting a whole team of really passionate people who all really love this book. And all we want to do is bring it to people's tables and spread a little bit of chaos. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Please go support the Kickstarter. It's again, October 12th. That's not that far away. Foolsgold5e.com. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on, Felix. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. 